Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Amy Jo Mathias about overcoming dysfunctional toxicity in the workplace. Amy Joe Mathias, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to be with you. I'm super excited for this conversation. And today we're going to be focusing on a topic that I spend a lot of time thinking about, uh, unfortunately, probably too much time thinking about, and that is overcoming dysfunctional toxicity in the workplace. There's all these different um, features of organizations and how humans interact with each other. And oftentimes there's many positive interactions, but there's also these dysfunctional behaviors and there's toxic behaviors, whether it's toxic leadership or it's toxic organizational structures and systems that negatively impact people or just the interpersonal team dynamics that become toxic. So these are the types of things we'll explore together in our conversation today. As I get started, I just wanted to share uh, Amy Joe's bio with everybody. Amy Joe Mathias is the CEO of Pavo Navigation Coaching, a unique resource that helps companies eliminate toxicity from the workplace. Often described as a spark plug, Mathias brings years of research and varied professional experiences to all of her endeavors. She is a scholar and professor and seasoned organizational leader and executive and a keen listener. Matthias has also been committed to being a catalyst for change and to transforming systems of exclusivity and separation into opportunity for all. She considers it her life purpose to equip individuals, organizations, and companies with tangible, easy, and actionable tools that take the office from a place that is toxic and siloed to one that is collaborative, innovative, and welcoming. I love everything about your background and your bio, um, and I, it resonates uh, with me so much. I, I feel like uh, many of those elements I could say, or at least hope to say about myself, um, so I, I think we're kindred spirits in that regard. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Anything yeah. else you would like to provide by way of uh, background, personal context, or information about you before we jump in? Um, no, I think that um, any information, extra information about my varied uh, background will probably come out as I talk about how I coach and um, what my philosophy is and approach to transmuting this toxicity that most of us experience at some level. My, my um, perception, my experience, my studies tell me that somewhere between, you know, 95 and 99.9% of our workplace environments have some degree of toxicity in it just because we're human. Um, and so most of us has, have experienced that. So it's, it's, it is a really good topic because 
it doesn't need to be toxic. Yeah, that's right. Um, there, there are some fairly simple things we can do to, to have things be more healthy, to create a more dynamic, healthy environment where we can interact in positive ways and short circuit some of those toxic types of interactions and behaviors and approaches that people carry out. Uh, it is something, unfortunately, you know, that does exist, I think, in most organizations, to your point, because we are human, I, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt, I try to, you know, uh, consider that, you know, most people are well meaning, well intentioned individuals. And we but we all have our stuff, we all have our baggage. And then when you start to bring people together, with various insecurities and biases, then all of a sudden, you know, you start to have frictions, and then things can um, go down unhealthy paths. So I think the the first step is to just be willing to acknowledge it and to name it. Uh, and then we can start to work through it and to, to help things become more healthy uh, and dynamic. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to what you just said. So if it's okay, I'll just jump in with um, kind of laying the foundational belief for you and your listeners of how I approach um how I approach transmuting these toxic work environments. Um, so the foundational belief is that the way we do things, right? How we do business, how we do anything from education to nonprofit work, to religion, to um, sports, to entertainment, you name it, how we do stuff in our world today um, and all the structures and the processes and the um, functionality of, of our world has been shaped and created through three primary energies. And those three primary energies are fear, lack, and separation. And uh, the shorthand for that is fliss. And so, um, of course, we have um, work environments that are full of fliss, right? Um, because we all bring it in, in a variety of different ways, because we all have been trained up in fear, lack, and separation, and all of the different iterations of those energies. And so it's like our default position, right? It's, it's what we know. And um, the good news is that it is my belief that that is not where we come from. We don't come from fear. We don't come from lack. We don't come from separation. It's learned. What we come from are the opposing energies to that. And that is love, abundance, and unity, and all of the different iterations of those. And so what we coach um, at Pavo Navigation is equipping our clients with tools that are in service to transmuting fear, lack, and separation and creating work environments that are collaborative, mutual, respectful, dynamic, energizing, spacious, filled with permission, accountability, um, all of those um, iterations of love, abundance, and unity that really make us um, excited to go to work, um, able to learn and grow, um, um, able to own our mistakes, able to um, be innovative and 
ultimately be productive and for uh, in whatever world you're living in, whether it's a for-profit or a nonprofit, we all want to be profitable, right? We all want to increase whatever it is that we are creating in the world. And healthy work environments um, make that so much more possible. Because we've been raised and trained and schooled in fear, lack, and separation, bliss, we have come to believe that that's how we need to do things. Um, you know, we everything's hard and we need to um, um, set unrealistic expectations so people will feel afraid and so they'll work harder to get to, to meet those um, KPIs because if we set realistic expectations, they'll get lazy um, and on and on. Um, and so the dynamics in our work environments currently naturally come from that schooling we've had in fear, lack, and separation. And so we can identify them, name them, point them out in ourselves, in our systems, in our, in our bosses, in our teammates, without any judgment, right? We don't need to, to, to blame or judge or accuse each other because we all come by it. And we've all been trained in it naturally, not naturally like it's in us naturally, but naturally because that's how our world has been created and, and, and has, that's the story that our world has told us. Um, and, yeah. and so we get to choose once we identify the fear, lack of separation, then we get to choose. Do I want to feed that? And we call it the Fliss monster. Do I want to feed the Fliss monster and make that monster bigger? Or do I want to shift and find out how I can action and create more abundance, more spaciousness, more ability to listen, to innovate, and, and all of that that is loud. I'll stop there. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's wonderful. And I love the use of um, the word abundance having an abundance mindset. I like the usage of the, of the term space, having space uh, to explore and to interact. Um, so I, I think with all of this, as, as we're thinking through all of these elements that can drag us down or, and make for unhealthy environments. Uh, and then on the flip side, you know, trying to have things um, be more positive in our orientation. How do we have, make that mindset shift? How do we, as you're working with your clients, how do you help them to start to transition to rid themselves and their teams of that toxicity and to move forward in a more proactive, more positive uh, manner? Right. Um, well, I think you said it at the very beginning when you said um, the first step is to, uh, is to name it, right, is to be aware of it. And that's exactly it. Um, is to, you know, we oftentimes leaders don't want to see the toxicity because they feel like it's somehow a reflection of themselves. Um, but it isn't, right? It's a reflection of the narrative that we have all been taught. And so the first step is to courageously name it, right? Be brave, Name what you see in front of you, around you. And you can do this if you're a leader. You can do this if you're a um, individual contributor. Um, you can do it on your own with a coach. You can do it uh, with a, a team facilitation. Um, and 
see what isn't working, right? So if it's um, obfuscation, right? It's just not clear who's doing what or when um, the deliverable is due or what aspects of it are on my plate and what aspects of it are on your plate. Like, so confusion is a really big um, common common experience that leads to more and more fliss. Because if when we're confused, when when there's lack of clarity, and you hear the word lack there, when there's lack of clarity, um, people get nervous, right? We get we get nervous. Like I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I'm not sure what I'm going to be held accountable for. I'm not sure how to hold myself accountable. I'm not sure how to hold my teammates accountable. Um, I'm not sure what I, what then is gonna um, I'm going to be blamed for. Like you can you can just hear it ripple out, right? So. The first step is to name what is not working and to do it with as much crystalline clarity as you can get, right? Then the second step is to not have judgment <laughs> on yourself or the other people. And then the third step is to, um, is to, to choose. Do I want to contribute to this getting bigger? Do I want to contribute to more confusion? And if the answer is no, okay, great, that's clarity. Then the next step is, well, then how do I uh, take the next step? How do I shift out, away from the confusion and shift into clarity? What's my next step that will feed clarity, right? Um, and you can apply those steps to anything that you are dealing with, any situation that you are encountering you can ask yourself, okay, what is real here? Let me get clear on this. Um, and this is why coaches are so critical, right? Because that can be a difficult thing to see when you're like right in the middle of everything. You're like, what? I don't see anything, right? And it, somebody from the outside who's not entrenched where you are in um, can see things that you cannot. And that's part of what coaching does is we hold up mirrors for people and say, okay, so this is what I'm seeing. Does that resonate with you? And most of the time, my clients, our clients are, are like, what? Blowing my mind, right? Because like, how did I not see that? Well, because you were so in the system, so used to it, you're su surrounded by it, it's difficult to see it. So um, see it, name it, identify it, no judgment, choose, do I want to feed this? Do I not want to feed this? If, you, if the answer is I don't want to feed this, then ask, all right, how do I then feed the opposite of that or the other of that that I want to create more of? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's great. So uh, again, we recognize that every, every time you get at least two or more people together, there is high potential for some level of toxicity to emerge. Um, this happens in personal relationships at home. And this happens in the workplace. This happens everywhere, right? And so, so as we start to go through those those um, steps that you were just describing, I think we can start to um, to have a more positive outlook and, and interact in more positive ways. Um, but that that's still not going to eliminate the frictions and the the challenges that will continue to emerge simply because that's human nature. Um, you know, I've been married for 18 and a half, well, closer to 19 years now. My wife and, he, 
my wife and I love each other very much. We have six children together. We're committed to each other. Um, and we know enough about each other to recognize where the buttons are and, you know, how, uh, we can either, um, move a conversation forward in a positive way or how quickly we can derail a conversation, uh, in a negative way. Yet we still like, we know this, we we've had these discussions over and over and over again, yet we still find ourselves falling into less healthy patterns from time to time, simply because we're humans, right? Um, And we're not always as disciplined as we should be as we're having those interactions. And the same thing happens at work, you know, well-intentioned individuals will, even when they're committed to the common purpose and and to the success of the team and the organization, they're still going to have these negative interactions. So what, what are some of the, the most troubling forms of toxic um, behaviors, toxicity within organizations that you see um, that we should try to focus on to make sure that we're not allowing, you know, recognizing that things will happen, things will come up and bubble up, but that we can make sure that there aren't like the big things aren't, we're not allowing them to fester and we're not allowing things to take over and completely derail the team. Yeah. Well, you said a lot there. So um, hold me hold me to that question, but I'm going to do a little bit first before I get there. That's sure, okay. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. So I have this um, metaphor that is um, helpful to people to think about. We all, when we are born, we all are born with what I call a narrative closet, right? And um, this closet, this metaphorical closet is where we hang, keep all of these stories that we are given as we grow and um, become, become um, evolve into who we are. And these stories, you know, they're first given to us by our parents or our guardians or whoever is raising us. And then, you know, others add more stories as we grow, you know, teachers, coaches, uh, religious leaders, um, friends, other parents, you know, obviously extended families. And and as those um, stories grow, um, um, we come to actually 
believe that they are true, <laughs> that they are absolute. And we, um, we continue to put them on just like their clothes, right? We put them on um, whether they fit us or not whether they're too tight and they pinch and they make us feel awful and we can't move around or whether these stories are too heavy and too big on us and they hide us and we can't, we, we don't actually, um, we can't actually see ourselves. Um, we put them on until we realize we have a narrative closet. And once we realize that we have been given stories about who we are, who we're supposed to be, how we are supposed to act, who is good, who is bad, um, what is good, what is bad, what is possible, what is not possible. These is, this is what these stories tell us, right? As soon as we realize that they're just stories, then we can begin to decide who we actually are, who we are in our values and in our integrity. The reason that's important for me to offer is because think about the workplace filled with all these individuals coming in with all their narrative closets <laughs> and all the stories in them. And they're not the same, right? We have some collective narrative stories. Um, uh, think about stories about gender, about sexuality, about race, about ethnicity. Um, we have some of those collective stories but all of us have a little bit unique ones. And these stories actually inform how we behave. They inform how we see others, which also directs how we behave, how we speak, how we communicate, all of that. So um, it's important to understand that everybody has different stories that are informing them and that they're all just stories and that it's up to each one of us to get clear about our own values, who we are and um, how we are then going to adhere to those values in every action and every interaction that we um, are part of. Um, so getting clear on your values very, very critical. What are some of the most toxic um, actions or activities that happen in the workplace? Um, I already said one, obfuscation, confusion. Keeping things unclear um, is when folks tend to misbehave, right? Because we're afraid and we feel threatened and we feel like we're gonna, you know, some, some kind of, um, we're gonna, get hit by some wrecking ball that's coming out of nowhere because we can't see clearly what is um, being asked of us and what uh, and how we're being measured or assessed. Um, dominating bullying behavior, very, very common. Um, and that can look like talking over somebody in meetings, being the loudest one in the room. Um, it can be shaming behavior um ripping somebody apart um, as opposed to um uh, intelligently critiquing and asking questions um and the other uh, another common um clue uh, um, for you and all your listeners to figure out if you're in a flissy situation is if it's an either or right 
you're either you're either overwhelmed or you're not doing enough. You're either um, constantly in urgent mode or not growing and scaling your company. Um, you're either um, um, you're either the loudest one in the room and winning all the arguments, or you're just um, not going to be heard and not going to be seen. Like anytime there's an either or, you know that you're in fear, lack, and separation because Fliss has convinced us that we live in a, a world of duality, which of course we do not. Um, there is always a third, fourth, usually fifth or sixth option to um, most of our, um, our, of our decisions that are being made or how, you know, the fix, there's usually far more than two. Um, and so um, the idea that uh, being the loudest one in the room, uh, you have to be seen, you have to be um, the always right. You out, so, so if you always have to be right, that means everyone else needs to be wrong. Um, and that is one of the most toxic festering behaviors. And it leads to all kinds of other things like fear to admit, I don't know something. Um, then I shut up and I shut down and I don't ask questions when I need to. And so then I'm, I'm, I'm panicked because I'm afraid I'm going to make a mistake. And um, of course, then I usually do make a mistake because I really don't know. So I'm, I'm going off on my own and, and it's taking me so much longer to do it too, because I don't know. So I'm, you see how it goes and it just festers and festers and creates and expands. And that's why we call it the Fliss monster because we feed it and it gets bigger and bigger. And that's why um, toxicity can spread so fast and so quickly. Um, because um, when people feel unsafe, right? Um, that is when we tuck in and also we defend ourselves and, and protect ourselves. And um, I guess that would be the biggest indicator of a flissy work environment is when you feel like you can't ask a question or say, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. And one, one of the things that comes to mind as you were describing all of that is, you know, conflict is not a new phenomenon. No, it's good in, actually. In, in interpersonal dynamics and in teams and in organizations and healthy conflict can actually really be a driver towards innovation. So, so when done right, uh, conflict can be a good thing. Um, what I often see in organizations and really in, in more interpersonal types of coaching is that a lot of times people don't, they don't do the work up front to be proactive about, you know, eliminating the toxicity and creating more healthy environments rather they wait until they're you know we i don't know it's human nature we tend to wait and procrastinate and we we end up being reactive to a big blow up or some major issue that comes up rather than you know doing the this this sustainable consistent things regularly that will help us to sidestep you know those big problems um what, how do you talk with people and trying to get them to be more um, proactive as opposed to reactive in their approach to dealing with these issues? Yeah. Um, well, I just want to uh, adjust the human nature piece just a bit. 
Um, I, you know, our brains have not developed other than eyesight since we were, you know, being chased by saber-toothed tigers. Um, and, and so, yeah, when we get into the, you know, frontal uh, amygdala, we, we are biologically and physiologically um, ready to, you know, flee or fight. And those, our whole body tells us we only have two choices, right? And so um, the important um, coaching around that is one, to know that. So when you feel like you are a deer in headlights or like you're like gonna die or you're gonna run, um, you know, when you feel threatened, uh, know that you are in that fight or flight mode in your brain and that what we need to do then so that we can actually respond instead of react is get back into our whole body. And there's a couple easy, super easy ways to do that. One is breathe. And our breath, we forget about it, right? Because we do it, we just, we don't, most of us, thankfully, don't have to try to breathe. And so we forget how critically important that is for us and how it is such a tool for us to re, kind of, it's our, it's our technology to reboot, if you will, right? So I like to put my hand on my heart, but you can put your hand anywhere on your body, on your legs, on your belly, you know, on your arms, on your hand, hold your hand and just breathe. Take three deep breaths and it will take you out of that fear place back into your body. You, you will likely still feel and experience yourself in threat, but you will be in a place where you can look at it with more clarity and respond instead of be reactive. I think it is our human nature that we come from love, abundance, and unity. We have been so trained away from that, that what my coaches and I talk about at Pablo Navigation is that we are all remembering, right? Remembering ourselves to the love, the abundance, and the unity, and how they show up, how they behave in every interaction. So... Um, you know, uh, that we don't do quote unquote, do the work up front. I think it's sort of like, duh, because we're, we're, we're taught not to, right. We're taught to protect ourselves. We're taught to, um, um, make sure that we, you know, I I hear about the imposter syndrome all the time, right. We're, we're, we don't want to be found out. Right. Um, and so we're, we're constantly proving, we're constantly pushing, we're constantly protecting ourselves. And that will always make for some level of separation from each other. And so um, how do we get to healthy conflict? Um, it's when we ground ourselves in the truth that we don't have to prove anything. We simply need to be who we are in our whole person. So at Pablo Navigation too, we coach the whole person. You've alluded to that, you know, like you talk about your relationship with your, with your spouse and, um, and, and as we are in our personal relationships as well in our professional, we, we have pre-COVID-19, we, we used to separate like your professional self over here, your personal self over here. And um, I was already 
coaching the whole person and 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 pitching that when I would be in in conversations with 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 CEOs and CPOs about coming into coach. And um, for some, it was a, a hard pill to swallow, right? Like, no, we're professional here and we're personal here. Um, but now COVID-19 has really helped me out, right? In saying like, actually, no, we are all, we are and always have been whole people. And, um, and what we haven't learned how to do is how to be integrated people in the workplace, right? So how can we own our emotions in the workplace in a way that's healthy? How can we own our, um, our, our hurt feelings or our feelings of being offended or um, uh, like I was saying earlier of not knowing something? How can we be honest about that in a way that feeds unity and spaciousness and permission as well as clarity and um, actionable steps to get to our goals and where we want to go. Um, so that learning how to be that integrated person is a critical component to a healthy work environment. And one of the reasons we have toxicity is because we haven't been allowed to be whole people. So we've been holding ourselves back and we've been cautious and we like tiptoe and, and all of that. And none of that um, helps us in being that honest, open, um, accountable, actually, human, human being in the workplace. Did I answer that question? I, I think you did. I, I think that was very well said. Um, and Amy, Joe, this has been a really fascinating conversation. I feel like we've just scratched the surface and we can really go on and on and on. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. I think our time is close to the end and I, I want to be respectful of your time and know that you're very busy and need to get back to um, your other responsibilities. But um, before we close, I did want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your business and, and then give us the last word on the topic for today. Sure. Um, so you can find out more about me and my company at www.pavonavigation.com. Um, if you want to reach out and connect with me directly, my email address is amyjoe at pavonavigation.com. So happy to connect with you either way. Um, the last word on this topic is that we have actionable, tangible, immediately applicable tools that do create workplaces where we all want to be and um, that are also profitable, productive, energizing, and innovative. And um, so just because, you know, the majority of workplace environments have some degree of toxicity doesn't mean that it needs to stay that way. And I see it every day with my clients um, and with my coaching, uh, from my coaches, I hear it from them as well, with their clients, that we're, we're doing it. We're doing the work and it is effective. And quite frankly, you know what? It's easy. And um, that is so exciting to me because I know I want to live in a world where we are celebrating each other and where we all feel seen, recognized, safe, 
and um, full, full of increase and possibility. I love all of that. Uh, Amy Jo, it has been a real pleasure talking with you today. I really encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Amy Jo and her company can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.